would take your Bibles or devices and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. If you're visiting with us, if you go to that black Bible in the chair in front of you and go towards the back, find page 42. Page 42, Mark 16. We're going to go through the first eight verses this morning just for us to think and ponder the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mark 16, verses 1 through 8. Again, page 42 in that black Bible and the chair in front of you. I'll read the passage and then we'll begin our study. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And they said to them, he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, He is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he said to you. And he went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Sedona is going to host the Welcome Home Vietnam Veterans Day. Wednesday, March 30th, said Verde Independent, marks the start of the 5th annual Welcome Home Vietnam Veterans Day celebration in the Verde Valley, hosted by Sedona. Any Vietnam vets we have here? Raise your hand. Any Vietnam vets? No Vietnam vets. Oh, Willard, Vietnam vet. One Vietnam vet. Another one. Oh, an arts Vietnam vet. So it's going to be a memorial to Vietnam veterans. In honor of the commemoration of the 50th anniversary of the Vietnam War, The event includes a traveling replica of the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington, D.C., also known as The Wall. So it will be in the city of Sedona for public viewing from March 31st to April 3rd at Posse Grounds Park. I believe it was... I'm not sure I was going to ask my wife because she remembers this stuff better than I do because I have amnesia. When The Wall was in Cottonwood about a couple years ago or something like that? Was it in... I found the name of my father-in-law's cousin, um, Willard Payne. He died in Vietnam. I believe it, he uh, stepped on a landmine. And, and my father-in-law was really close to his cousin. They were really close in age, like I think a year or two apart as cousins. He was really close to him. As humans, we are people who do things to remember. Uh, certain days if you have a birthday remember that weeks we use objects 
to remind us. Like the wall, it reminds us of something, right? Why do we do that? Lest we forget the past. It's so easy for us to forget the past. So that's why we do these things to help us remember. Because we forget so easily. One of the most important days we as followers of Christ Jesus must remember is the resurrection of our Lord. Today helps us ponder once again the truth of Jesus' physical resurrection. Now that's the reason Christians for decades, centuries, why they come together every Sunday, but to honor His resurrection specifically today is a special day. As Dr. Moeller said, it is, quote, the festival which draws all Christians face to face with the empty tomb and the truth of the resurrected Lord. So that's why I titled the message today, Jesus' Resurrection, Our Hope, Our Joy, and Our Promise. That's what it is. The resurrection of Jesus is our hope. The resurrection of Jesus is, is our joy. But it's also promise. And I'll unpack that as we come more into our message. For what is, what is the seal and confirmation of the cross upon which our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, died, but His physical resurrection? What is the very event that seals our justification, but His resurrection? What confirms His atonement? A redemption, reconciliation with God, and salvation, but His resurrection. I mean, if this would not have happened, then there's no point in being here. As, as, as Paul said, what we read today in 1 Corinthians 15, we should be pitied. People should say, you people are pathetic. You're nuts. You're crazy. This is so vitally important this specific day. Because realize, it is this event is what separates us from every other religion in the world. Every religion. That main teacher, guru, whoever you have, is still dead. We are the only ones who have a Savior where there is no one in the grave. The tomb is empty. This is what distinguishes truth from lies. Reality from idealism, authenticity from falsity, fact from fiction. Christ Jesus, Him crucified and risen, it's our only hope as Christians. It's the only thing that gives us joy in the sufferings and the pains and the trials. It's the only thing that gives us hope that the promise will be fulfilled of our own resurrection. The promise that one day Jesus will return and make all these wrongs right. Not the next president of the United States. Specifically, it's the day we praise His name this particular day. And yet, as I say this, right now, 
right now, 1107. There are churches, dare I mention one, preaching a resurrectionless Christianity. A Christianity that, that, that does not emphasize the physical resurrection of Jesus. It substitutes the truth of the gospel for a lie. I mean, how can this be? Is this really happening? Yes, it is. Because they think that it merely was some spiritual rising of Jesus in the hearts of the disciples. It was their imagination. Even some saying, you don't need to believe in the resurrection to be a Christian. Friends, that's, that's ludicrous. It's, it's absolutely insane. How can you be a Christian, which means follower of Christ, and yet not believe that that Christ had physically resurrected from the dead? No. No. It's the literal, physical raising of Jesus' original body from the dead. It was totally changed. Same body, but changed. And he was seen by hundreds. Hundreds of people saw at one time, says Paul, in what we read today. So to be a Christian, you must believe this. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, may I graciously say to you, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, to become a Christian, it is pertinent. It is foundational. It is what makes you become a Christian. Is you believing not just in the fact that Jesus died. Everybody believes Jesus died. But the question is, will you believe in Him physically resurrecting from the dead and, and you know you don't need to defend this fact how do you defend 2 plus 2 equals 4 you don't defend that like I'm telling you 2 plus 2 equals 4 how do you defend that it's just, it just is right you don't defend something that is so you don't defend the fact that Jesus died or that Jesus resurrected. You don't defend his resurrection. It's a fact. Actually, anyone who denies the resurrection of Jesus, they have to defend that. Because of the evidence that's there that proves the resurrection of Jesus, which first is most pertinent, which we will see in just a few moments, the empty tomb. And so, because of this real, physical rising of Jesus from the dead, we have a mandate, a command, an obligation to speak this good news, to proclaim it. Because of the resurrection, Jesus is who He said He is. Jesus was who He said He was. He is who He said He is. The resurrection proves that. John Broadus, who helped found the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, he said this, quote, The resurrection was the signed manual of the deity. It was the seal of the sovereign of the universe affixed to his claim. It declared him to be all that he ever 
profess to be, and so it establishes the truth of all his teachings and the truth of the whole Christian society. The great fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead is the central fact of the evidence of Christianity, end quote. And people will say to you, oh, yes, Jesus, I love Jesus. Uh, 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 love others. Right? As, you already, as you love yourself. I love that. But do you know Jesus resurrected from the dead? No, 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 no. That, that's just a myth. We don't take what we want. We don't take what we like. We worship God on His terms. We believe Jesus on His terms. So not only is, is the resurrection our hope in this life, in the midst of the trials and sufferings of this life, not only is it our joy and our, just our satisfaction in the midst of the things of this life, but also, not only do we look backwards to His resurrection, but we look forward to fulfilling the other promises. That He will return to bring final victory over sin and over death. And that He would also resurrect us, change our bodies, this body, to be one just like His own. So trials, sufferings, as, as, as Paul said, they're not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed later on. So there's, there's, there's hope, there's joy, and there's the promise. So there's our, your introduction. So we're going to come into Mark's account now of the resurrection. And as we come to just some quick points on Mark's writing. He was not an author who gave a lot of details. If you notice, it's fast-paced. Boom, 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 boom. Just in the first eight verses. He doesn't give a lot of details. And it's correct in thinking that it was an eyewitness account writing through the eyes of Peter. Peter corresponding with Mark. Most likely when Peter was in prison. And he spoke with Mark who wrote this down for him. And, and, and by the way, why is this important? We in this church, at least while I'm here, and hopefully even when I'm dead and gone... But we in this church, we believe that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they give the accurate historical account of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we deny the veracity or the authority of any other Gospel, which you might go Google on the internet, other Gospels, the Gospel of Peter, Thomas, Judas, Mary etc etc we do not take those as authentic or authoritative because they are not recognized as authoritative now the four gospels mind you Matthew, Mark, Luke and John they do not give all the info about what the Lord Jesus Christ did but they certainly give a true perfectly accurate account of his life his ministry his death and physical resurrection from the dead so having said that Look at verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices that they might come 
and anoint him, anoint Jesus' body. This is three of the women from verse 40 of chapter 15, two from verse 47. The other three Gospels, Matthew, Luke, John, tell us there were other women there too. So there was a group of ladies who saw the resurrection of Jesus. They were the first ones to get the news. And Mary was the first one to see the resurrected Lord. So can I just stop here and say something? Ladies, what a privilege for you. It was you who were, I know it's not you personally, but you in terms of gender. It was you who were the first ones to see the resurrected Lord Jesus. This flies in the face of our culture that says Christianity is a male chauvinistic pig religion. It flies in the face of that because it shows God's love for those considered as outcasts within a society. In the first century, you women were considered as outcasts. Pharisees would say, Lord God, thank you that you did not make me a tax collector, Gentile, or a woman. That's what they would say. So what do you pray? So in God's providence, women were given precedence. What a privilege for you, ladies. Oh, and by the way, they did not end up at the wrong tomb, which is actually a male chauvinistic thing for the people, skeptics to say about women. They're actually shooting themselves in the foot when they're saying that. They're saying, oh, those women are just stupid. They went to the wrong tomb. And this young guy said, oh, that's where they laid him. It's over at that tomb. That's ridiculous. Okay, just so, let's just make sure we understand this part here. They didn't go to the wrong tomb because that would mean that the church was founded upon a deliberate deception and lie. The truth of Jesus' resurrection is the most foundational doctrine of all of Christianity. Upon this truth we stand or fall. You must believe it to be saved. Notice it says they bought spices that they might come and anoint Jesus' body. They most likely did this Saturday evening. On Sabbath, shops closed. But when evening came, sunrise, excuse me, sunset, the uh, shops might have been open at that time. So they went to the shops, uh, went, bought sweet-smelling oils. Now, the anointing of the body was, it wasn't necessarily a common practice among the Jews. These were expressions of love and devotion to their master. And they couldn't do it any sooner because of the Sabbath. Because Jesus died. He, was, he died there on Friday. So he was dead Friday. They would consider that as Friday. That would be the first day. The second day. And then the third day, Sunday. He was still dead. Then he rose. So for three days. But so they couldn't do anything Friday. Saturday they couldn't. Not a thing. So Saturday evening came and it was dark. They probably bought spices, went home. So that's why they came early Sunday morning, which shows how they viewed Jesus' death. To them it was real. It was final. They didn't expect the resurrection. If they did, why would they go through the trouble of buying these spices? That's ridiculous. They did not expect it. Notice verse 2. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? 
So they left at a time before sunrise, arriving at the tomb maybe just after sunrise, close to that. And it suddenly dawned on them. I mean, when you're upset, when you're hurting, you're just not thinking straight. And it dawned on them, who's going to roll away the stone for us? Maybe they concluded some workmen were around. Someone might say, well, what about the guards and the seal that was on the tomb? They probably didn't know about that. They were unaware of the guards and the seal that Matthew talks about in his gospel. So again, another proof that they had no idea. They weren't expecting Jesus to resurrect. And another proof that Mark was just fast-paced. He's not giving us all the details. Notice verse 4. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. They looked up, so maybe their, their heads were down, maybe there was an elevation to the tomb, but maybe, most likely, their heads are down, they're downcast. They lift up their eyes, and to their surprise, the stone was already rolled away. These stones were not small. Not just in terms of its size, but also its weight. They were very heavy stones that they put over these. That way it would keep grave robbers from coming and taking things. So they couldn't do it alone. Oh, and keep in mind, the stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. Help, help, let me out, let me out, come on. And, you know, that just doesn't, you know. It was rolled away to let people come in and see that he had risen. Verse 5, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. They saw this young man wearing this. Normal youths would not wear that in this time. They wore black. Everybody knew that. I mean, come on. Okay, nobody got that. That was supposed to be funny. All the youth are like, yeah, that's cool. These white robes were worn by angels. It shocked them. They were astonished. Notice, verse 6, he said to them, Don't be amazed. Don't be shocked. Don't be astonished. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Notice how he specifies not just Jesus, but Jesus specifically the Nazarene. Stop being amazed. I know you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. Notice he gives us even more specification. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, the place where they laid him. The first one to announce Jesus' resurrection was an angel. The explanation of the details of Jesus' resurrection was not described. No human eye saw his resurrection. He directed them to the niche in the rock where the body would have been. Again, Mark's given us a quick, quick, quick storyline. We find out other places in John that, that um, Peter and John, they had run to the tomb after the women told them and there was, they saw the linen cloth there and then the headpiece separate. The empty tomb is and will continue to be the greatest sign that Christianity is the absolute factual truth. Verse 7, But go tell his disciples, they were the first recipients to receive this great news from the women. The first ones to proclaim it to Jesus' disciples were the women. Tell his disciples, notice, and Peter. 
after denying Jesus, Peter most likely felt unwanted and rejected. Here the angel wanted the women to give special assurance to all the disciples, but especially to Peter, that they are fully embraced by their Master and Savior. He is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he said to you. Jesus, through the angel, gave Peter, the, the disciples, but specifically Peter, gave special assurance to Peter that he was not cast off. There you see God's grace. Fallen Peter was included as a word of hope to him, but not just to him but to all who are in need of grace and mercy today. See, Jesus eagerly embraces sinners. His arms are wide open to those who have rejected Him, but they want to humble themselves before Him to believe. Are you here today and you need to respond to the Gospel? Have you been just messing around and you need to get real with God? This is the time for you to do that. This is the time for you to hear the gospel. God should judge us. He has every right to judge you and to judge me. And yet, He sent His eternal Son, Jesus, who lived perfectly, was crucified for sinners, and physically arose from the dead. And the call is for you to repent and trust Jesus alone. Turn away from your sin and put your trust in Jesus. Your hope, your joy, your confidence in Jesus Christ. His arms are wide open to you, sinner. His arms are wide open to me. It's open to any sinner. He will go before you into Galilee, says the angel. He said this to his disciples in chapter 14, verse 28. And not to say he didn't see them or appear in Jerusalem, that's not the point. It's to convince them of the reality of his resurrection. Here is a promise of his personal resurrection appearance to them to meet with his disciples in Galilee. Notice what happens in verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonished and gripped them. What's their immediate reaction? Run! Ah! This would be shocking news to them. The nuance of the words. There's trembling. Astonishment quivering with fear, terror almost. They were beside themselves. That's what these words mean. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Which once again points to the authenticity of the resurrection. It was unexpected. It threw them off. These amazing events stupefied them. They were left with confusion, with shocked emotion. Does this mean that they did not share the news with the disciples? No. It means that they did not dare break this news to anyone they saw on the way back. We find out from the other gospel that they did tell the eleven about their experience. John and Peter, they ran to the tomb. All these things happened. And then you have verses 9 through 20, which I'll just briefly mention, and Mark. Mark just kind of comes to an just abrupt halt stops and you're kind of left with um okay so what happens 
Verses 9 through 20 were added later. They weren't in the original gospel. I take the view defined by Dr. Farnell at Master Seminary and others too that Peter was most likely Peter was most likely executed before Mark could finish his gospel. Because remember, he's writing from Peter's perspective, Mark's writing, and most likely this time, Peter was executed. So Mark kind of goes, eh, I guess I'm done. Okay, I don't know what else to put in here. So here you have fast-paced, very little details. Jesus resurrected, the angels appeared to women, telling them the good news, they run in fear. Here once again we see the unexpected news that Jesus resurrected from the dead. It was just a given for the angel and it should be a given for us. What a great message of hope for sinners. You can be forgiven. You can find mercy and grace. Through the resurrection of Jesus you can be reconciled to God. Right now, he's your enemy. Right now, you are his enemy without Jesus Christ. But you can be reconciled to God. You can have hope in the true promise of your own resurrection. Whereby you will eternally live with the one who created you and loved you. How great the Father's love for us. What an awesome God. It's it's not to make much of us. Because guess what? You're not worthy to be died for. And neither am I. But it's not to show us how much worthy or how worthy we are. It's to show how worthy and how great God is. He's a gracious God. He's slow to anger and abounding steadfast love to us. Think about this, Christian. Think about this. Our hope is in the Lord who gave Himself for you. Uh, uh, your joy is in the Lord who resurrected from the dead your promise is in the Lord who will return to right all the wrongs and complete your salvation I mean do you realize he's our hope he's our joy our promise his resurrection is just a win 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 situation for us I mean you win in your tribulations and trials because you realize in these physical sufferings and stuff it's going to end You win in your struggle, your struggles, and you're struggling against sin in your life, and you're just, oh, just grips with it, and you hate it. That will come to an end. This will come to an end. The fact when you're dealing with such depression, and such despair and turmoil, and yet you have such joy to look forward to, it's nothing but a win, win, win situation for us. The resurrection of Jesus is our hope, our joy, and our promise. What an encouragement. Be encouraged today with the truth of the resurrection, the physical resurrection of Jesus. Father, thank you. You're so compassionate. You're so merciful to sinners. We are dumbfounded that you just did not destroy us all and start all over. We are amazed that you would 
that you would take time for sinners. You would seek after sinners. You would run after sinners and save them through the cross. Where, as we sang today, love and mercy meet. Really love and justice. Because you poured out your justice upon your Son so that we can have mercy. So we can have love. And then you showed it how much you were pleased with that by bringing Jesus back from the dead. Thank you. May the resurrection of Jesus be the thing, the truth that we, the fact that we not just remember today, but tomorrow, next week, next month, three months from now, the election time in November. We will say, whoever you put in place, glory be to Jesus Christ. Because we look forward to a day to a monarchy where you, Jesus, will reign as king and you will reign perfectly. And, and the amazing part, Father, the amazing part, we will reign with him. The whole world belongs to us. We are just dumbfounded. A bunch of hypocrites in this room and we're going to rule the universe. I, it's just unbelievable. Give us hope. Give us joy. Give us the assurance of your promise. At this time, if you would, take a few moments. A few moments of silence. You can ponder. And you can think about what we have seen here in Mark's Gospel. And the truth that we unpacked about Jesus' resurrection. And after a few moments of silence, we'll continue our time to worship the Lord and give Him. Sing a couple more songs and then we'll have our closing prayer. Sit, ponder, think what we've seen in God's Word.